0: Hello and welcome back to First Peoples Lawcast, a podcast dedicated to defending the rights of Indigenous peoples. As part of our commitment to supporting the development of Indigenous lawyers, First Peoples Law is pleased to announce the 2021 recipients of our Indigenous Law Student Scholarship. This scholarship is awarded to Indigenous law students with a demonstrated commitment to serving and advancing the interests of Indigenous peoples. While we initially intended on selecting one recipient, we couldn't choose between two incredible finalists and ended up awarding them both the $5,000 scholarship. Congratulations to this year's recipients, Anita Cardinal Stewart and Mary McPherson. In the following episode, we welcome back to the show last year's recipient, Taryn Hamilton, for a conversation with Anita and Mary about their experience as law students, building community, and more. We hope you enjoy.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to First Peoples Lawcast. My name is Taryn Hamilton. I'm a third year law student enrolled at the University of Victoria's JD JD program. I'm a proud member of the Barrenlands First Nation. I'm from a remote community called Brochet, which is situated on the northern shore of Reindeer Lake and close to the Saskatchewan border. I'm excited to be welcome back to host this year's LawCast. I also feel humbled and honored to speak with two Indigenous sisters who are also navigating through the life of law. Welcome, Anita and Mary, and congratulations on being this year's recipients. I would like to start by having you two introduce yourselves to our listeners. Anita, please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself.
2: Thank you so much for that uh, introduction, Taryn. Yeah, Tanse. Nisege San Anita Cardinal Stewart. Um, I am from Woodline Cree First Nations, which is situated on Treaty 8 territory, and I am Nihio. I'm a third year law student at the University of Alberta, where I am actually in my second term as president of the Indigenous Law Students Association. I also serve as president of the National Indigenous Law Students Association. I entered law school a bit later in life as a mature student. So I have three sons, one who is grown and has a family of his own. So he has a little boy. So I'm a cuckoo and uh, very proud cuckoo. It's probably uh, one of the best roles of my life for sure. And my spare time, I do a lot of outdoor sports. So I'm very committed to not just my family, but to my sports. I'm an ultra trail runner. So that's kind of my passion, making the sport more diverse is something I'm definitely gonna strive for in the future besides law.
1: Thank you, Anita. Um, Mary, could you please introduce yourself to our listeners?
3: Uh Thank you, Taryn, for introducing us. And thank you, Anita, for introducing yourself as well. It's lovely to meet uh, both of you. Uh, my name is Mary McPherson. I'm an auntie, I'm a sister, I'm a cousin, and I'm a daughter. And I'm a member of Kuchichang First Nation, which is next to Fort Francis, Ontario. I grew up in Thunder Bay and um, my dad is Ojibwe and his family is from Kuchichang and my relatives on my mom's side are settled in Southern Ontario and they're Irish. I'm an artist and I'm a third-year law student at the University of Ottawa. I thank you for having me on First Peoples
1: Lawcast, it's a real privilege to be here today. Welcome and thank you for sharing a bit about yourselves. I'm excited to get the conversation started today. Mary, you're in your final year of law school at the University of Ottawa. Why did you decide to go to law school, and how have you found it so far? Um, I was first interested in law when I was in high school, and
3: the interest kind of grew throughout my undergrad. Uh, growing up with my family, we discussed all sorts of issues that we were facing around the dinner table, and I watched my dad as he endured like, systemic discrimination through his work, and I also... I was watching the breakdown of my family and I didn't realize it at the time, but it was as a result of intergenerational trauma. So I realized that it was, I started to realize it was the Indian Act and its administration and it had destroyed our relationships with one another and it was continuously destroying these relationships. And I was also learning how law and policy were still being used to continue assimilation and confusing us further. I felt like I really needed to learn Canadian law to better understand the harms that have been done to my family and my community, and so that I could better articulate who we are not. I knew that I needed to do this to be a better advocate and to better contribute to
1: my family and my community. Thank you, Mary. I think uh, a lot of us enter this field because we feel a passion to advocate for our people. So I really much... Sorry. Sorry. I very much uh, relate to your story as well. Anita, you are also in your third and final year of law school. Uh, What made you decide to go to law school and how has your
2: experience been so far? So I think law has definitely been something on my mind since I was very young, but I never really let myself believe that it was possible because, you know, I've said this many times that I didn't meet an Indigenous lawyer until I was in my 30s. I had somebody message me on Instagram and send me my junior high quote of a picture, my picture with a quote underneath it and something I told you didn't, didn't remember, didn't remember. I remember writing now, but I didn't remember it. I never saw a yearbook because we could never afford to get it. So I never saw it so when i opened up the message it had my picture and it was like this lady she was like hey we went to junior high together i had seen you on social media and i just thought that you would really enjoy seeing this and there was me in the yearbook with underneath the picture was ambition and it was like to be an actress or a lawyer and i was like what no really it's been that long. And that's 30 years ago. I <laughs> had no spring chicken, right? So
1: <laughs> That's incredible. You manifested it.
2: <laughs> right? so, like, I actually, uh, so, you know, 2012, I went back to university. Second career, I took my paralegal diploma from Grant McKeon. um, moved my family out here to Edmonton from my home community and said I wanted to go into law didn't think about being a lawyer because I was like okay paralegal that's awesome I'm in law that's you know kind of always what I wanted to do but I didn't think being a lawyer would be possible but I've been a paralegal for you know since then and then I worked for this firm and we had you know I started to meet Indigenous lawyers I started to really like we did a lot of like a lot of the files that we did was you know Indigenous matters and servicing and helping different communities in the north especially northwest territories Nunavut I worked on the Sixty Scoop file as a paralegal in Newfoundland and Labrador residential school. I mean, like, so I was just like propelled by all of those, surrounded by all of these, you know, these reasons why I needed to go, um, why I needed to try. And so I started taking like night classes and doing my undergrad that way. And like I'd go like early in the morning before work. I think it was like I'd have seven o'clock classes and then go to work all day, go to have night classes and did that for a while. And then, and then still not say, not really thinking I was going to like apply for law school. I was like, well, maybe I will. I just want to get my undergrad. And then I was speaking to a prof at uh, U of A during actually just after the Indigenous Law Student Speaker Series. And she was like, why don't you apply now? And I said, well, I I don't know. Well, she's like, just go, give it, go, go, go try now. Just do it. And so I said, all right, I'll give it a shot. And, you know, then I got accepted. And, you know, it's been a whirlwind. It's I've been really inspired by all of those around me, by all of the Indigenous law students that I've met, the Indigenous lawyers that I've been meeting. And... Yeah, I'm just so very grateful to be able to be in this space with you guys and to be a part of this great community.
1: That's incredible, Anita. Thank you so much for sharing. It, it, it's amazing to hear uh, both of your journeys to law and to see how far that you both have come. It's It's amazing to see and I'm very honored to be able to witness that. So thank you for sharing. Since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, our lives have changed drastically. We have felt the impacts of the pandemic on our education and how we may practice law in the future. Mary, how has COVID impacted your legal education? After COVID, I I moved back uh, from
3: Ottawa. I moved back home to be closer to my family, and all of my classes have since been online through Zoom. Um, But what I had loved most about Law school was meeting such interesting, caring, generous people and having those connections with people. But in regular times, we would be able to confide in each other about what we were learning in the classroom. And we would have all of these discussions after class. But after COVID, that became very limited. And I think that has really impacted my legal education because I do truly believe that you learn from the students that are around you and also you build interpersonal relationships with them and they carry forward in your legal practice. But this has been a little bit more difficult. So I I think that we still do really pull through and we always check in on one another. And that's been a valuable thing that I think I've really held on to throughout uh, studying law over Zoom. Mm -hmm.
1: Yes, I I also um, did online school and it was very difficult, you know, and the community is so important, especially in law school, because we have to really uphold each other and check in on one another. So I can definitely see how it's uh, difficult for some students, especially Indigenous students, I would say. Anita, I pose the same question to you. How has COVID impacted your legal education?
2: Well, first of all, I'm really grateful that it didn't happen during my, you know, like that I didn't have to do the entire first year of law online, that I did get to do most of it in person. Uh, So I do, my heart definitely goes out to the one else that last year did all of their legal education online. But I mean, for me... After the initial shock of it and learning how to like navigate the whole online school um, (laughs) and uh, exams online, which was insane, I think I got into a groove and it really made things And almost people a little bit more accessible in a way. Yeah. Okay. So so we didn't get to be in person, but I ended up meeting so many people. We ended up like batting together, being on different organizations, getting to get really involved. And I think in ways that maybe we wouldn't have before And because, you know, there's a lot of hesitancy to get involved in things you know because in person and sometimes it's you know if you have a little bit more of an anonymous format or something or where you could your voice you find your voice in certain situations and I found that there was a lot of people that did find their voices a little bit more in the online forum world or the zoom world Um, that was really neat to see that Uh, working with the National Indigenous Law Students Association we obviously everything was online and so we met all the time and we met and we all became great friends um, online and same thing with Ilsa but I mean reaching out and building those communities was still possible and so I'm grateful for that and I think that was a willingness on everybody's part and a, just a need to want to connect so I did appreciate that and definitely spent a lot more time with my family at home I had to make my own office at home which was lock the doors that was that was yeah that was fun that's fun uh, but so far, you know, that's, it's given, uh, there's some pros and cons to it. And uh, I appreciate it, the growing that I've been able to do.
1: Yes, I, I think the the spending time with your family and having the, the freedom really impacted me in a good way doing online school as well. You know, having that support from your family or your parents is very important going through law school. Um, Anita, you spoke on the importance of standing together as Indigenous law students and creating a strong community. What kind of community do you envision for future law
2: students and lawyers? Mm, I envision a community where we have a seat at the table, at the decision-making tables. That's what I envision. You know, growing, supporting one another. If it ain't me in there, then I want it to be you, Mm -hmm. you know? So that's what I envision. It's just, you know, that's our sovereignty indigenous nationhood. And the way that we're gonna make that happen is by coming together and supporting one another, fostering our communities and growing it. So I'm excited for the future. Amazing,
1: thank you, Anita. You know, it really does take a a village and um, all of us coming together and supporting one another, I think that's really gonna be the change. And Mary, you stated that you were comforted comforted to see the various ways indigenous law students are advancing and changing uh, for their communities. What excites you most about the future for Indigenous lawyers and, more importantly, our communities? Yeah, I
3: mean, to echo what Anita just said, um, having a seat at the table is the main thing that I think of. And, you know, I, I was thinking a lot, our communities, they need representation by lawyers who are in positions to know where the community is coming from. And and that's how you become a zealous advocate. And this is a basic ethical expectation in the lawyer-client relationship. But for so long, this option was not available to us. It was denied to us because non-Indigenous lawyers in Canadian society, they rarely know where we, we are coming from and the issues that we're facing. And I mean, now we have Indigenous lawyers who are coming into this profession or who have come into this profession and they're advocating for their communities and they're pushing the boundaries of the status quo so that it is easier for the next generation of students but also for our communities as a whole and i really do believe that the more of us that there are and even from you know like from communities up north to like that in northern ontario i'd really like to see that as well because the more the more of us who are in these spaces and we the better chance we have to challenge the current jurisprudence, that's inflicting violence upon our relationships with the land and with each other. I was thinking about how the Indian Act ban on our ceremonies, it's being repealed, but whenever we assert our sovereignty, we still do so at the risk of state sanctioned violence. We're still criminalized just for being who we are and for living according to values that stem from our law. We're still perceived as uncivilized. And I think as a result of this, we're, we're struggling with trauma. We're being re-traumatized by the criminal justice system. And that leads to even more lateral violence in our communities. So today, what I'm really like excited to see is more of us having access to education and particularly legal education, because it's been previously denied to us, but as we are remembering our responsibilities to our people and the people that brought us here and are supporting us through it all, we're achieving greater representation and more options for future generations. And that's that's really what excites me the
1: most. Mm, thank you for that, Mary. I think it was something that you said that really stuck out to me is you know, we we go through these barriers for the next generation of, of law students and indigenous youth after us and i think that's so important because we need to think about our youth and we need to think about the place their place and our place and i think when we're all working together and we're really upholding that sovereignty and that pride in our communities and our people i think that's like one of the best ways to put pr- to instill pride into our indigenous youth and you know i'm i'm super excited to see like 10 years down the road how awesome these indigenous youth are going to be and they're just going to be so much stronger than than we are and so that's that's incredible thank you for that so in our previous scholarship episodes the other indigenous recipients spoke to their experiences in law school including what they wish they would have known or what they wish someone would have told them before starting mary is there anything that you wish that you wish you would have known before beginning law school Yeah, I mean, I knew that there would be a lot of reading, and
3: I knew that it would be really hard. I was really excited to go, and I'm still really excited that I have been able to go. It's been a really, it's a massive privilege. I didn't know that learning law would be, would feel, it would feel so, so violent. And I wish I knew how to handle this from earlier on. I felt like I was constantly comparing everything that I was learning to my own experiences or my family's experiences. And I was reading cases that I knew represented the oppression of people who are like my family, and I would respond passionately. But the problem was that I wasn't grasping, I wasn't grasping the legal test, and I wasn't grasping how to apply that that, that test systematically to a set of facts. I wasn't understanding what was going on my, going on in my classes, basically, and I, and I was ready to give up. I do want to share a quote. I called home, like, in January of my first year, and I was really struggling, and, and I was talking to my dad, and, and he's, he's uh, shared a quote with me that I'd like to read in case it's impactful for anyone else out there. It goes, learning involves both assimilation and accommodation. Part of the job is to get the subject matter to bend and deform so that it fits inside the learner. Just as important is the necessity for the learner to bend and deform himself so that he can fit inside rat himself around the subject matter without doing violence to it. Good learning is not a matter of finding a happy medium where both parties are transformed as little as possible. Rather, both parties must be maximally transformed, in a sense deformed. There is violence in learning. So I wish I had known prior to law school that I would have this constant feeling of being torn in two. And Mm -hmm. I realized that this is because in order to learn law, you have to become passive and unresisting towards what is being taught. And for me, that felt like becoming passive to law that was oppressing my family and community. And it feels like a betrayal. It feels like a betrayal to yourself and your family. But you have to do it. You have to do it in order to learn it, and I think the main thing is that you don't. It does not mean that you have to assimilate. You have a choice to hold on to your responsibilities to yourself and to your relatives, mm-hmm. and that's a choice that you have to make when you get through it all. But that's something
1: that I wish I I knew going going through it. Mary, that is so impactful. Thank you so much. I think um, you know, for Indigenous law students, it's particularly hard and emotionally draining to have to learn about you know colonialism assimilation and how the the, the common law has really kind of marginalized our people further and it, it, it's incredibly hard to be in this space and you are right we we are we have to move forward and it's it's not even kind of learning the colonized version of, of law but it's You know, I I think it's important to keep our like indigenous laws separate from the colonial law, because I always say it's never going to fit into the same box of colonial law, it will never be the same, it will never fit. So, you know, we have to keep, we have to stay strong to our culture and our values and the laws that we have been taught, but also navigate the, the common law and like that's, I think that is like one of the biggest hurdles that we have to go through as indigenous law students. So thank you for sharing that. And Anita, I pose the same question to you: What is something you wish you would have known um, before starting your journey in law?
2: Well, I should just want to go back a little bit to uh, Mary. Your quote. Thank you for all of that. By the way, that was such a um, such a deep thought, and I and appreciate all of all of what you said. And the quote reminded me of a quote that I actually heard. That I quote one uh, E. Corn Miller. First time ever went to uh, the Indigenous Bar Association as a student, Uh, not a student, as a paralegal actually, I think it was 2017 or 18. And Winnie Corn-Miller who was an Indigenous Olympian and uh, she was speaking and she was talking about her mother always pushing her to be in sports and to do well in school. And one of the things that her mother told her was go to school, get an education, but don't become educated. And I was just shocked when I heard that. I was like, what, you, what What does that mean? Like, and then I sat with it and I let it stew and I really thought about it and it really hit me and it really hit home. And so I took that with me into, into law school. And I was like, and that's what it was. It's like, I'm so glad that I heard that because it was like, go there. Yes, learn this, learn what you have to learn. So that way you can help your people. But don't let it consume you, don't let it, you know, take over that who you are um, as an Indigenous person. I'm so glad I heard that, and I hope that everybody hears that and and understands what she meant by that, what her mother meant by that, and I think it's incredible wisdom. And I, you know, other things too that I wish, you know, that people had, you know, taught is that like you know yes the first year is really hard but after that you get over the first year your second and third year in classes that you you know you picked and you want to be in and you're more interested in learning and you know it becomes you know it becomes okay and then reaching out to you know the other indigenous students and other students and you make friends and you know it's and it's it, it's going to be okay so study techniques you know that sorts of things yeah practical stuff But yeah, not remembering not to lose yourself.
1: Mm, Thank you. I'm curious to know what surprised uh, you most. So this could either be about yourself or others or your legal education in general over the course of your law degree. Um, So Anita, what is something that surprised you during your legal education?
2: Hmm. I think, you know, what surprised me a bit is the connections that I would make, Um, how emotional it all would be. Cause I was set to not be super emotional because I was like, okay, I'm going to get really emotional. So I don't want to. So I was like, you know, putting up barriers, and, but that it's important to, to, to get that, but always keep yourself grounded. And I think that, you know, the truth, right. Just learning the truth, this truth that was hidden and, and even from us, right. Like this truth that was hidden from you know us as indigenous people, you know, um, anything that we were taught in school was a lot of times inaccurate and disinformation. So, you know, that activated something within me. And if I thought I was committed before, it was, I'm definitely 100 times more committed now, knowing all of this. So, yeah.
1: Thank you for that. Mary, what is something that surprised you during your legal education?
3: I was studying at Lakehead University beforehand. and. I was surrounded by a lot of Indigenous students and some Indigenous faculty. I wouldn't say a lot, but there were some. And then I came to Ottawa and every single one of my first year classes was taught by a white professor. Mm -hmm. That was really surprising to me. I also have to say that it was, because there was an Indigenous law component in my first year classes, I have to say that it was quite almost, you know, kind of hilarious. I had to laugh at it because I came to Ottawa to study the common law and there were white professors teaching me what Indigenous law supposedly is. And sometimes the Indigenous law that was taught in the classroom was the exact opposite of the teachings that I was raised with. Mm
1: -hmm. So
3: if I think it was a, a big adjustment for me. A lot of the time I was the only Indigenous person in the classroom and I was often viewed as the, like the expert on all things Indigenous. And I felt a pressure that to speak up that I hadn't really felt before. And I also, in response, felt like I was closing, closing up a bit and losing my voice. I am really appreciative to the professors that did support my voice, because there were a lot of professors who supported my voice and a lot of peers who supported my voice. And I supported their voice and you know that that connection I think was the most valuable thing for me through it all was our our support of each other and, and our solidarity with each other but yeah I found that to be to be very surprising and at the same time section 35 being taught indigenous law being taught but then the Indian Act itself the foundational document to a, a lot of the issues that are happening being rarely discussed in my first year classes, I think, was really mm-hmm. surprising um, because I did expect to learn a lot more about that in my in my first year and not, as a as a not not an optional class.
1: Yeah, thank you, uh, thank you for that. I think you know when when they say, you know, we're going to be learning Indigenous laws now and you know i kind of run into the same thing in my my first year it's like er this is not how indigenous law is supposed to be taught like there's no following of protocols and so i you know it's like that's the same thing with compartmental, like trying to push indigenous laws and indigenous legal values into like the same box as the canadian common law it just it doesn't work and i think they should be separated and you know if you're going to be learning Indigenous laws, like follow the protocols, go talk to elders, talk to the, pre- the people in community, because they are the ones who are going to give you that knowledge. And it's not going to be from some book or new, an, an article that a professor wrote, you know what I mean? So thank you for that. And Anita, you are a proud member of the Woodland Cree First Nations, number 474, situated on Treaty 8 territory. How has your community impacted your journey through law school? Are there any community teachings that guide you on how to move forward in law?
2: well they've been very supportive of my journey Uh, if i needed something all i had to do was ask i've worked for my uh, nation for many years before as an education counselor as an executive assistant so i know everyone quite well so they were very supportive of me wanting to go into law. if i needed letters of recommendations you know words of wisdom (laughs) i mean the elders teach us to live in peace with the land and to lift one another up and that means fostering our community relations and that's what they've done for me and I'm very grateful for for it, because without their support, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be able to do this.
1: Mm, yes, thank you for that. Mary, as an Ojibwe member of the Crouching First Nation, how is how has your community impacted your journey through law? Um, would you like to share any teachings that guide you through your journey?
3: Um, yes, I was thinking about about how to answer
1: this question. And
3: I think I I hope it's not too long-winded, but I think like what I was thinking about was the four values and four teachings that I grew up with and didn't articulate as I was growing up, but I can reflect on them now with the help of my dad. And these are openness, honesty, sharing, and respect. And to put these in a contemporary context, they're still needed for the survival of our people. We have to be open to new information and learn it before behaving with intention. We have to be honest by speaking and acting on what has truthfulness to us, according to our experiences. We can't speak for anyone else. Each of us as individuals must share the knowledges, gifts, talents that we each have. Sharing what we each have is essential to the stability of the community as a whole, both practically and experientially. because it helps us achieve a more truthful understanding of who we are collectively and respect. We have to respect ourselves. We have to respect everyone else because each of us, each one of us is a contributing part of all creation. I think for me, these values really show you that there is no separation between your own actions and the rest of the world. So everything you have you you do has an impact and has consequences and it is an expectation that you perform with excellence because the credibility that of you and your community it depends on it so for me these values were my grounding in law school and it was hard because in law you're taught a liberalist tradition where the individual is the center of the universe individual rights and freedoms to make choices, are protected in a society where supposedly everyone is equal. You're treated as an individual. In the classroom, you're cold called and expected to give an answer. even though that you know that your response is not going to have the kind of excellence that is expected from you by your community. And there's a pressure on you to get hired at a big leading law firm located in a city far away. So for me, when I was in, immersed in all of this, these values of openness, honesty, sharing and respect, they helped me remind, remind myself of who I am and that I'm never alone and that I must always act with care and responsibility.
1: That's beautiful. Thank you, Mary. Um, thank you both for sharing these teachings and sharing them with our listeners. Mary, what areas of law interests you and what kind of work would you like to do in the future?
3: Yeah, I'm I'm interested in Aboriginal law, Indigenous law and criminal law, and it kind of is hard to narrow narrow down because, as Anita had said earlier, by the time you're in second, third and third year, you do find it's quite fun. It's it's quite an exciting, exciting um, journey to be on, and it's really hard to choose what area you want to focus on. Um, I do want to continue my education and then eventually return to Northwestern Ontario because I really want to give back to my community here. I feel like for me, like there's a lot of discussion about our rights to hunt and fish in this area. But when my ancestors signed Treaty 3, we never gave up our responsibility to educate and look after our own children. We never gave up our right to be self-determining. And these are still our responsibilities. But in today's world, there's a loss of pride and awareness in who we are. And our children are often taken and put into care. And our education levels are lower than the rest of Canadian society. So I don't know what my work will look like in the future. But I do know I really want to assist our communities in in asserting sovereignty, Mm -hmm. whether this be through education and or other means um, so that we can revitalize pride in who we are and pass on a better world for
1: future generations. So that's my goal. That's amazing. Thank you. Um, I think, you know, we all want to like go back to our communities and bring this knowledge back and really uplift each other. So I, I really relate to you when you say that you want to go back home. And I think that our communities can really utilize us and our knowledge and you know we're we're here to to help our people and to advance our people. So I really relate to you in, in that way. Anita, what areas of law interest you and what area are you excited to practice in?
2: Mm, so I've always been let's see so I, I've done a little bit of you know been around exposed to different areas of law as a paralegal. So I've had the benefit of being able to see it from the other side and what I know I do not want to do. I don't want to do criminal. It's just, I think there's too much of an emotional thing there that I just, that's not something I don't think I could be able to do. I would, too many emotions would get involved and I don't think I could have an effect. So family law is certainly something that I've not been exposed to as a paralegal. And I'm very interested in, especially um, the child welfare system. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been a foster parent, my husband and I have been foster parents for my niece and my nephew, you know, we've been, you know, ex- that that elix as well, a very emotional response within me as well, but that's something and that I feel very strongly that I want to, you know, learn more about and practice. But civil litigation, I think that will always be where I, I will, class action lawsuits, you know, going after the federal government for, all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, so I mean, you know, personal injury is, is another area that I really do like wills and estate, um, and of course Aboriginal and Indigenous law. Uh, I'm very fortunate to be doing my last semester um, next semester and with the Navajo Nation Supreme Court in Arizona, they do their, all of their court proceedings is done in English and Navajo and this is what we want here this is what we want right to have that so I'm really excited to be able to be immersed in that to see that to understand it to learn from them you know one day hopefully be a part of implementing that system here
1: Anita that is incredible um I've heard about the Navajo courts and sounds amazing and to bring that that knowledge back to their communities is something that we, we really need because, you know, the law is already in, so inaccessible for Indigenous peoples, and it's, it's a step forward in creating an inclusive environment for our people. So that's incredible, and I'd love to hear about that once you're, once you're immersed in it. That'd be so awesome. Thank you. So beyond the pursuits of law, what do you like to do for fun, and what grounds you through law school? Anita, if you can go first, please.
2: Oh, well, my family, first and foremost, I have three sons, you know, they're 13, 17, and 27, right? So that's, and we're all very, very close. And then, you know, my oldest son has, uh, my daughter-in-law my daughter, and then they have uh, a little, my grandson's almost four. So they are my life, you know? And then my parents, you know, who are my biggest cheerleaders. You know, my father's my hero. He's a strong Indigenous man who's been... The, the rock of our family he's I've only heard him st- tell me that he loved me twice in my life but I've never had to wonder that he did because mm. he always showed it all the time even though he couldn't say it and my mother's you know and, uh, I love to fight with that woman <laughs> 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 I love her so much and you know but like besides that you know I am you know running has been a healing journey for me my journey uh intergenerational trauma of course it, it affects us all and I was not um spared from it myself and it it's been a passion so I do a lot of a lot of outdoor trail running uh ultra running I believe that that connection back to the land that resurgence of that making this sport-minded more diverse is something that's very um important to me I just uh organized a run walk here in the city of Edmonton that we had we had but almost 450 participants and we had to cap it. Uh, and that was, it was a sea of orange, like in this big field and it was, it was incredible. And I'm, we're, we're excited to do this next year and to make it nationwide. And that's, that's, that's me.
1: That's so exciting. Thank you so much for sharing. And um, Mary, I pose the same question to you. Uh, what do you like to do for fun and what grounds you as you move through law school? Anita, if
3: you have any tips about how to run, I've tried it myself and fail every single time. I feel like I'm gonna die. <laughs> so, so not a good season. You all start somewhere, right? We all
2: start somewhere. You just start and <laughs> you, you do it and
3: you're it's amazing. I'll have to remind myself to be a little more committed to it next time. <laughs> um, to answer your question, Taryn, I. I really I, I before law school, I was drawing a lot and I, I still really love to to draw. And I spend a lot of um, time when I get to on that. And then every chance I get, I go up, I go out to the bush with my family and spend time with my family. We're lucky to be able to go somewhere without service. So we're all sort of forced to, you know, appreciate each other's presence. And it's a lovely thing. And then whenever my dad starts tossing wood into the wood stove, we all kind of brace ourselves because we know that he's about to heat the cabin up to an ungodly temperature (laughs) and we're all just going to have to survive through that or go out in the cold. So
1: I I definitely love going out there and being with my family. Oh, that's great. Thank you so much for sharing. And I, I know those hot cabin feels like you're just sweating and it's so you feel gross, but <laughs> that's awesome. So I would like to end the episode with Anita and Mary offering some guidance or any words of wisdom for our young indigenous listeners who are thinking of entering law. So Anita, would you like to go first?
2: Yeah, just first, I just, I guess I should have said what the run was about. So it was, I, I organized it on orange shirt day on September 30th. Mm-hmm called uh, Orange Shirt Day Run, Walk, Every Child Matters. And um, yeah, so we do plan to make it an annual event to make it nationwide. So I totally realized that I did not even mention what that was for, but But, uh, yeah, for like advice, advice, right? Don't be afraid to ask for help, you know, especially from your fellow indigenous students and your fellow, you're gonna make friends, right? Get involved, you will find your people, absolutely. And you will find lifelong friends. I absolutely believe that you know, never forget that you belong here. You deserve to be here. You are smart enough, you're strong enough, and you are enough. And no one can take that away from you. And when you feel like giving up, you know, push through those barriers, because you will be stronger because you faced your fears and you fought them and you persevered. And, you know, I believe in you, we all believe in you. And uh, we all got your back.
1: Thank you for those powerful words. I Like even me, I was like, oh, she's got my back too. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Thank you so much. And Mary, if you can offer any words of guidance or wisdom to our young Indigenous listeners. Yeah, I
3: mean, I think education is one of the best investments you could ever make because no one can take it away from you. And for young Indigenous listeners who are, who are thinking of entering law, Studying law can be a struggle, but it will offer you a very valuable way of thinking and it will teach you how to recognize and analyze issues and how to advocate. It's a real privilege to be able to study this different way of thinking no matter how hard it is. I know in my experience, you may start doubting your capabilities and feel like you have what's often called imposter syndrome. Like when others have given you the impression that you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you don't belong in law school, you don't belong in the legal profession. Know that these feelings are valid, but they are not your fault, and you are just as smart and capable as anyone else in the room. The feeling like you're an an imposter comes from an indoctrination process and systemic discrimination that reinforces a gender and race-based hierarchy, creating this hierarchy with white men at the top. That is their problem. It is not your problem. You're there to learn, so learn it. And you will be able to have the choice not to internalize it. You don't have to bear that. So work at it and you'll get through to the other side. And when you do, you'll walk away with a piece of paper for all of your efforts. But more importantly, you have a powerful understanding of the system itself and be equipped with the tools to challenge it you'll have an entirely different perspective to offer. And contrary to popular belief, it's not about the amount of intelligence you need to go to law school.
1: It's about the effort that you put into it when you're there. Thank you, Anita and Mary, for sharing that incredible advice and sharing your experiences and insights with us. It's been a humbling experience to hear um, both of your journeys as Indigenous women to and through law school. Congratulations again. I wish you all the best in your future endeavors. May Creator bless you and your families on your journeys, and I wish you both happiness and and success in the future. May our paths cross again.
0: You've been listening to Anita Cardinal Stewart and Mary McPherson, the 2021 recipients of the First Peoples Law Indigenous Law Student Scholarship in conversation with last year's winner, Taryn Hamilton. First Peoples Law is a law firm dedicated to defending and advancing the rights of Indigenous peoples. We work exclusively with Indigenous peoples to defend their inherent and constitutionally protected title rights and treaty rights, uphold their Indigenous laws and governance and ensure economic prosperity for their current and future generations. For your latest news and analysis of Indigenous rights and law, Sign up for our weekly report on our website at firstpeopleslaw.com. You can also find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter at First Peoples Law. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.